Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Ready for a big show today. Always fun catching up with Bobby. I feel like every time we talk to Bobby now, he's got some big event yeah. going on. The Kenny Chesney concert, the 20th anniversary of the 2002 National Championship team this past weekend. There's always something big going on in Bobby's life. Boys, it was just uh, 20, 20, I think, when I was telling you about how Chelsea Football Club had brought me back to a place of joy in sports where I had discovered how your team winning uh, felt again. And just two years later, manager, sack, he's out. And they're not terrible. This is like the Ed Ogeron of uh, Premier League soccer is but what you're saying, two if, years after a championship. you're one of the top clubs – and you lose, lose your course, you lose it pretty fast. And they got bought. You know, Abramovich, the Russian oligarch, was, was basically kicked out. They got bought by a co-owner of the Dodgers. And it basically sounds like they were giving him 100 days to kind of let things sort out. They're not playing particularly well. They just lost their first Champions League match, which was bad. But while they were sorting him out and giving him this 100-day audition, they were letting him bring in players. So they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on five-plus guys who are his guys. So now the next guy's going to come in and go through the same thing. Well, these aren't my guys. This guy doesn't fit what I want to do, all of that stuff. And so Sounds like yeah. they were waffling. They were letting him do all this, not knowing if they were going to pull the plug. And what I read— Does the new owner have a ton of money like the Russian well, guy? Nobody has as much money as the Russian guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lot of money, and he's willing to spend. Does he have seven yachts like the Russian guy? No. <laughs> but the thing is... Uh, Can a Russian guy you know, buy my favorite sports team also? I kind of want that. And I respect to what Tuchel did, and he's a phenomenal coach. But like one of the reasons he's out is because they wanted a, a, a coach who would kind of schmooze and coddle with them. So they came to him, and they said, Christian Ronaldo, Christian Ronaldo is, is available. Should we look into this? And he said, no. And he thought that should be the end of it. Well, they wanted a big conversation and a sit-down meeting to discuss all of that. And in his mind, he said no. And if you're wanting me to be kind of direct the personnel here, that was enough of a conversation for me. Let's move on to the next guy. So it's uh, T took this really hard. <laughs> T, She's T all in. All in. And she, I mean, we both love him, but she doesn't understand that, that these guys come and go pretty quickly over there. Uh, and the attachment is real. Yeah. So it's a little rough. Is this, is this guy going to immediately get another job? Yeah. Is I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's phenomenal. I mean, I, he's one of the, what do you think, Colin? Uh, he's in the top 10 coaches in the world. So I don't know what's open right now. We go to could, Colin for all of our soccer of, analysis. He's got a lot of money sitting, waiting for him too. So he could just wait until next season when stuff opens, if he wants. I, uh, now that we're on a soccer tangent, I, I, I continue to tell you guys, watch Welcome to Wrexham yeah. on FX and Hulu. You can watch it where Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia buy a, a, a Welsh soccer club 
It's really, really good. And the two stars aren't the best part of it. Yeah. It's the townspeople that they interview. And, and getting in with these stories, it's, it's terrific. So this guy may have had too short of leash. And meanwhile, uh, Cashman and Boone, I'm reading stuff about how uh, you know they finally, if they blow this, might be... It might trouble. happen. Might happen for Cashman. <laughs> Cashman, who's been in charge for a quarter century. Yeah, it's crazy uh, watching the Derek Jeter documentary. Like you just realize how Brian Cashman was a part of all of this. You know the the whole uh, he was there during the you know the dynasty years, and it's crazy how long he's been a, this with the team organization. Doesn't win the World Series, which it's not going to do. It's time for change there. I mean, he made all these moves. He put this team together, which played over its head for a long time, but is inherently flawed. And he hired Boone, who isn't getting it done. So I I mourn Tuchel to a degree. I will not mourn Cashman and Boone. Do you think it's going to be complete Band-Aid ripped off with Cashman and Boone? Same time, if if it happens, it's not going to be one or the other? I don't know if this Steinbrenner kid has the stones. How old is the Steinbrenner kid? 60-something, yeah. probably. <laughs> this young whippersnapper. This, this, this kid. This, don't the, you have somebody Stein, like that, though? You always think of him as the kid. Oh, yeah, the Steinbrenner boy. Yeah. <laughs> don't you get it, though? You think Griffey. of George Steinbrenner's kid. You Griffey's always, always going to be the kid. kid. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. And also, if you have a Y at the end of your name, like if you're Tommy, like I feel like you're always a kid. <laughs> well, that's that's right? a great Timmy. Yeah. Now I, I was sure that feel it was like I'm talking to a seven year old boy. I was sure it was Hal who was alive, <laughs> and then you confused me last last time we talked of him. But I'm pretty sure it's Hal. Yeah, I, Hank I, died. I screwed it up. I think Hank's the one who's dead. Yeah, we probably just killed the one. Who's I don't alive. know who's next in the wings, but uh, and I'm not praying for anyone's death by any means. But uh, I'm ready for them to turn it over to the next generation. You need a succession like, plan. Yeah, sound like an Auburn fan thinking about Bama football. <laughs> It's like House of the Dragon with yeah. a succession plan over here. Let's just turn it over to Timmy or Tommy or <laughs> Frankie. So uh, speaking of coaches and firings, um, not, nothing happened in, in, in that drastic of a measure at LSU, but it's a little early to be snapping back at, at head coaches over a loss. Uh, Brian Kelly, um, when you see the headline that Brian Kelly uh, is, was complaining about the media – arriving late to his press conference, you think that he's coming over the top and being harsh about it. Here's Brian Kelly and the response from a reporter about the result of the game this past week, uh, this past Sunday against Florida State. With that, we'll open it up to this late arriving uh, media crowd that uh, must have uh, enjoyed the the weekend. That's usually $10 that we put in the kitty for... We'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. (laughs) I don't think it has anything to do with winning. I think it has to do with being on time. What if you win, we'll be on time. I mean, I mean, he was pretty good-natured with yeah, what he was opening up with. He was actually been pretty good heart. behind the mic recently. That was a tough moment to go after the coach with that line. I'd understand if he came in in a very Saban-like fashion right. and started lecturing the media on being on time. So inviting them to his and, house. And he was acting, you know, then, then someone might snap back and say, how about you win a game first? Yeah. You know, and then you can tell us what, think, what to do. So I immediately think of what – But he was joking around. He's like, we'll have a big party at the end of the year. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't judge this way, but my head immediately goes to, that would never happen to Jimbo Fisher in College Station. Uh, And I think the difference is everyone in Baton Rouge loves Ogeron, right? And you've got Brian Kelly coming in, 
and he's expected to win and win now. And it, there will be a – I think there's a different vibe with his hire than there was with Jimbo. I agree, but right LS, LSU fan friend tells us last night that he was joking around with this reporter afterwards, and it was all taken lightheartedly ultimately. Now, it doesn't sound Maybe good so, for yeah. people like us to, to break it down because it takes a bad turn south there. Yeah, maybe we're. Uh, her maybe tone I'm was ter- her tone it, was terrible. Yeah, her tone, her tone I, uh, could have been fine too. Like she could have said it jokingly and maintained the tone. Tone turned bad quick. But uh, so let's look at the tone of the program. That the, the season can go south fairly soon for LSU with their schedule. Because we previewed the over under seven and a half. Tennessee and Florida State were the two teams that I had circled as the pivot points for how they go above and exceed expectations. And they're 0 for 1 in those. And they're in the SEC West. It could, it could be a fairly ugly year one for him. Who's next? Yeah, I, I'm watching that team on Sunday night, and they just didn't look very good. I mean, their offensive line, they have huge issues on their offensive line. Uh, I, I, I watch that. I watch them in Florida and think from Tennessee's perspective, for example, boy, one game looks a lot tougher now than I expected. Another one looks a lot easier. When they go to LSU, you know, for for Tennessee, I'm sure a lot of people in the SEC are watching that LSU team and starting to think, "Hey, that might be a win for us this year." So they have Mississippi State and Auburn, two of the next four games, before they play Tennessee. Then they visit Florida. Now, in between that, they've got Southern and New New Mexico. So they'll get back to their winning ways under the lights uh, this this coming weekend, but. Chad, this, I know it, it was very lighthearted, but I'm, I'm thinking, man, this is uh, that's, that's something you may hear yeah, like you, in October or November, not week one. Well, it's also first I, loss. I, I wouldn't, I, what doesn't happen off, it's a story because it doesn't happen often anywhere, but especially like in a Southern college football environment where coaches are treated like royalty. You, you would never see this. The reporter's name is Leah Van, and she tweeted out. She tweeted the video and said, press conference was at noon. I was running in from a doctor's appointment, got there at 11.57. Brian Kelly called me out and said, jokingly, I owed him $10. I said, if he won, maybe I'd be on time. Not my finest hour. I apologized afterward, and he was super chill and said, I still owe him $10 for being late. That's cool. So she, she did say she apologized afterward, and he was, he was fine. And good by her. To, uh, yeah. Reporters are not the best at saying my bad. But I, 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 see, about I see the headline, and I hear it, and I think, man, it, there's just a different vibe between College Station and Baton Rouge with some high-paid coaches that aren't expected to win championships. I mean, they are, but they're not. I mean, if we're being honest. And I don't just think College Station. Alabama and Georgia and everyone else. I think virtually my perception, and I I admittedly have not been on the inside of many of these places. I was was at Florida during, you know, who's the guy that replaced uh, Spurrier? Ron Zook. I was at Florida for a couple days during Ron Zook. uh, And even there I found it like reverent. It was early Ron Zook. But, I mean, there's a reverence. Uh, at a lot yeah. of these places, that's you know totally different than my environment. Oh, uh, it's their it's their school though. They, the they, you're yeah. win or lose, you're in. You know, you're tied to it. So I think you people are more lenient because they want to see success and they're willing to wait on it. Um, especially if you're coming off of a 
successful run like Florida and was with Spurrier. Ball coach's father figure is and when the, I say wait on it, I understand field. like everyone's trying to win, and the SEC eats their own. But I do just comparing the two guys, I do feel like Jimbo Fisher has received a lot of patience, and L- LSU is a program where they're two clock. years ago they're winning a title. Yeah, so. clock should be. And they just fired their guy that well, won that title. J- Jimbo Fisher is he's been treated to sort of Scott Frost status in that yeah. this is it for A and M. They they paid him here? more than anyone else in college football at the time to get the guy who won a national championship at Florida State to come coach them. So it's one of those moves that you're gonna be patient because what's next? That's what Nebraska's sitting around thinking. We we got our guy. The, the guy that was bred right here in this state, played in this program for Tom Osborne, and he's the national coach of the year, and he leaves UCF to come here. They're going to give him all the time in the world. They have. You know, they've been very patient so far because – And both are good coaches. They're, they're sitting around thinking, what's next? Not that Texas A&M can't go hire a good coach, or Nebraska right. can't, but – It's a major it's, restart. It's, it's a, you're putting yourself on a big platform for, you know, patience – when you go in and make a big move like that. A great quote uh, from Patrick Mahomes, and then we'll get to Bobby Carpenter. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, are drafting your fantasy football teams. Patrick Mahomes uh, has already apologized to fantasy football fans. Quote, it's not going to be just Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. It's going to come from everywhere. You're going to have to choose the right guy every week. There's Patrick Mahomes on the offense. I bet Kelsey's a pretty good guy. <laughs> and I, I drafted Kelsey Monday night without hesitation. Um, I think the other guys, certainly, it's going to the, – the Hill option is spread out multiple ways. And Kelsey's getting older. I don't think he's going to have the best season of his career by any means. But I still think if they're oh, in a man, pinch – You uber. were talking yesterday about the eye contact, read, yeah. eat, read each other because you know each other thing. That's not going away. Well, and he has 20 touchdowns combined over the last two seasons. I mean, that's... Massive production. Yes. That's points on the board. Coming up, Bobby Carpenter joins us. We'll recap the biggest games from last weekend and look ahead on the horizon. Alabama, Texas, and much more. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Happy Wednesday to you. Coming up, primary complaint right now. Bobby Carpenter joins us at BCARP3 is where you can find him, also on SiriusXM. Um, and uh, the new time slot for him right here because of the SiriusXM show uh, where he and Jacob Hester have been doing a fabulous job talking college football and more. Bobby, how are you, man? I'm doing good, gentlemen. I mean, it feels good to finally have a full weekend, uh, a buffet, if you will, of college fo- football under the – under in the books, I mean, you think start out Thursday, finally finished up Monday night. You get a couple night breather, and then you know tomorrow night we'll be kicking off the NFL season. So it'll be coming at you fast and furious. Bobby, what a fun time to host a show with an LSU Tiger and, and Jacob Hester. Uh, man, that, it's got to got to be rough start to his season right now. Now you got Brian Kelly getting called out by reporters in the press conference. 
Yeah, Jacob's a good guy. I've known him for a while. So, you know, we've been working together a little bit and he he's a good sport about it. And I mean, my goodness, you know, it, it was a tough one, obviously, to lose that. I looked at it the positive way. It's like, yes, sir, man, you guys got two kicks blocked, muffed two punts, and you had a chance to win the game, you know, on the final drive. So I th- watched that game, like, I was impressed with how many athletes you had out there, what the team actually looked like. I feel like all those mistakes were ultimately correctable. Now it goes back to coaching and discipline, but it didn't seem like they were as far away as I would have thought. And I think Florida State might be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. But as I said, I'm like, you know, the goal this year was probably to win seven, eight, nine games would be fantastic. I still think LSU probably wins seven to eight games. And if next year Brian Kelly's winning, 10 games, maybe 11 and challenging in the West. All this stuff will be in the rearview mirror. Were you at all nervous uh, during the first half of Notre Dame, Ohio State? Um, and, and what did you think overall? Let's start with Notre Dame and what Notre Dame was able to do. Well, you know, I was impressed with Notre Dame's game plan. And, you know, I played with Marcus Freeman. And, you know, he's played under Jim Trestle, Luke, coach with Luke Fickle. And, I think he looked at his team. They were decimated at wide receiver. They're starting a first-year starter at quarterback. You know, they had a pretty good offensive line. They're, the strength of their team is probably their tight end room, and they've got a really solid defense. So I think his thing was, hey, let's lean into this as much as possible. Let's limit the plays. I mean, I think Ohio State's defense had about 55 snaps. I mean, they, they wanted to shorten that game as much as possible and to make sure that Ohio State didn't have a lot of opportunities to take a lot of shots at their defense and try to wear them down and grind them and make sure that it was shorter because in a game where you usually are at a talent disadvantage, the longer the game goes, the more plays it goes, talent usually wins out. So I thought they did a great job. I mean, they took advantage of most of the opportunities that they had. You know, they bottled up Ohio State's receivers. You know, obviously Jackson Smith and Jake, but getting hurt a little bit at the beginning helped. They had Julian Fleming, who's one of their other starters, was out. And so they kind of forced them to be patient. And then Ryan Day on the flip side kind of, understood what was going on, understood what type of game it was. And this is really critical. Everybody loves to go out there, you know, and win games, you know, 45 to 10. That's awesome. And to be able to do that. But the problem is there's times where despite all your best laid plans, you're not going to be able to do that. And that was one thing that I, you know, during Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State, you know, they, they had some inexplicable losses to Purdue, to Iowa, and it seemed like some of these games they would get down, and then they there was like a, a 21 point play that you're searching for. Whereas Ryan, I think, looked at it and said, "Okay, we're kind of beat up at receiver. This game is going to be a little rougher. Let's figure out what type of game it is. Let's play the field position battle. We don't have to go for it on every fourth down. Our special teams are playing well. Our defense is playing great, and we've been able to run the ball. And, and honestly, Paul, that's why I, I I would say I wasn't nervous." I wanted to get everybody excited. I wanted the crowd to be electric. You want an awesome environment after everything that had started out. Heck, it was like the stinking Super Bowl. They had flyovers. You got LeBron James, you know, Jason Tatum, Andre Guadalla, Joe Burrows on the sideline. You have 27 former players that are currently in the NFL. I mean, recruits galore, fireworks, paratroopers. I mean, it had everything that you wanted. And so you want to have that big experience. But the fact that the defense was playing that well, I knew Ryan would get the offense going. Like, that's not going to be an issue. Like, CJ was a, an inaccurate by his standards. I think he still completed 70% of his balls. You know, it wasn't a bad night. He threw two great ones out of the pocket, two of the best balls I've seen when you're scrambling, especially throwing against your body, you know, on third down. But 
the offense will come. It, it'll be there. I was really much more impressed with the defense because coming into this season, gentlemen, I think everybody knew that that was the question. They're going to be able to score points, but do they have a defense that can come along for the ride? And it was nice. Ryan kind of smiled after the game to be able to win a game with defense and with special teams and just have an offense that's just as efficient. And you know, watching that game in stadium, I was down the sideline a little bit. Like you could see at the end, Notre Dame's defense was starting to crack. If they would have caught that punt cleanly at the 50, they probably would have went in and scored and probably covered the 17 point margin. You know, it's 28 to 10. It may not be the prettiest 28 to 10 in the world. And it wasn't what people would have expected, but they were still have been able to get it done. So they were starting to split. They kind of leaned into it. And I love the fact that they won an ugly game because there will be times where you're going to need to be tested and you're going to need to have that experience of winning close games, winning ugly games. And no coach likes to go through it, but they ultimately all love that they have gone through it. Bobby Carpenter with us on Outkick 360. Uh, we were Everyone's being overly critical of the Georgia defense in, in week one because we wanted to see them replace all of that NFL talent. What did you see from Georgia's defense uh, as, as in terms of comparing them to last year? Well, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they dominated, absolutely. You know, and I mean, Oregon moved the ball a little bit here and there, but they made the plays when they needed to. They're great up front. I mean, they're they're a pretty-looking team. And getting off the bus, they've got some pretty-looking guys. They're big, they're physical, they check all of the boxes. So when you see that, you're like, all right, I mean, that's a pretty good spot to be in. I mean, I was really impressed with Stetson Bennett. You look at his stat line, I mean, he looked like a Heisman Trophy quarterback. Heck, there was plays – you know, I watched, you know, I was down at tailgates. I'm trying to watch. I went back and rewatched some of it. I mean, he looked like Roger Staubach spinning around back there in the backfield, you know, breaking guys, breaking guys down and making a miss. So I was really impressed with how well they played. I, I think Georgia's really good. I don't think Oregon is as good as what we probably anticipated. Now, maybe that changes um, as everything moves along. But I, I was really surprised to have Dan Lanning there, who was at Georgia, who understood Stetson Bennett, who understood those players pretty well. And for him to go in there and, and have a, a game like that, and albeit it was essentially a road game, but it was kind of surprising to see that. And that's why I think Georgia you know, jumped to number two in the polls after an extremely dominant performance. And Stetson Bennett was great. But, Bobby, if I had to pick a superstar coming out of the weekend, just one individual, it's Anthony Richardson at Florida with what he was able to do against a really good Utah defense. What did you make of his performance? What did you think of Florida upsetting Utah? I was I was surprised by that. I mean, I think I you know wouldn't have surprised me. I thought Florida or Utah would win that game. I was surprised with how well Florida played. I was surprised with how tough they were. And you said Anthony Richardson. I mean, he was the difference. I mean, he he's the elixir that's stirring it. Florida's always had some pretty good athletes. What they've struggled with, you know, is is the ability to get that quarterback position right consistently. They've had years where it's been better than others, but they haven't had that guy in a while. And it looks like Richardson could be that guy. And if he is, well, you know, that changes the math on it. And that's why Florida went from unranked, I believe, to 12th in the AP yep. or the coaches. They're they're right there now. And uh, I'm excited for this game coming up with UK uh, because I know Mark Stoops is going to make sure he gives them a full day's work. It would be an opportunity for Kentucky to beat them three out of the last five years, beating them on the road and you know maybe solidifying their place as the second best team in the East. So I think Florida surprised a lot of people. I think Utah kind of blew it a little bit. They should have probably been able to win that game. Couldn't come away with it. But give all the credit in the world to Florida and what they're able to do. I mean, they're right there in a really quick rebuild, looking like they could be back challenging 
a little bit, maybe not challenging Georgia, but right there for that third or fourth best team in the SEC. How great was that Appalachian State game with North Carolina? <laughs> and and now, I mean, I can't wait to watch the game at, at A&M this weekend yeah. because of that. Well, I sat here and I rewatched that game and I rewatched the uh, ECU-NC State game. And if I'm either one of those schools, if I'm any school in the North Carolina or South Carolina region, because I believe South Carolina went to ECU last year, I think, or the year before and got Sounds beat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not the, the two for one deals. I mean, it's great. And I'd love to see the small schools host, but if you're the head coach at either one of those programs at the big, at the, at the, the, you know, the power five level, I mean, that, that is a hornet's nest you're walking into. It's a no win situation. You also had Virginia you know, Tech go to Old Dominion, Bobby, and and, and, lost. and, and get robbed. They lost. They went back to the locker room and that someone robbed them. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> that's literally the insult to injury at the end of the game um, after losing. So, you know, both of those games, like NC State should have gotten beat. They There was two field goals. Extra point was missed. A field goal was missed that would have tied it or won it on, you know, either account. And, you know, it's a very similar situation. I mean, like, granted – you know, they scored 40 points in the fourth quarter for App State, but I mean they had a shot right there to be able to get it done. And I, you know, I don't know if that's you know just rivalries or what it is, but that's the thing that makes college football great. And so as we have all this realignment and everything's happening, that's the stuff that I don't want to lose because that to me is what makes the sport so great is you have these regional rivalries where people are hyped up guys have played against each other. There's one side of the guys that feel like they were slighted because they were never offered by the bigger schools. And then the bigger, more talented guys are there and they probably go in a little bit feeling like, you know what, we've got this, we're playing directional school you. And then you have games that are like that, that are end up being phenomenal television. Alabama and Texas where Sarkeesian earlier this week is like, Hey, um, Win or lose, it's not going to affect us in competing for the Big 12. And win or lose, it's not going to affect Alabama playing for the SEC title. But, yeah, we're excited to play this game. Uh, did, does he see what happened to Utah State and think, uh, maybe I'd need to go ahead and start downplaying this this big L that's headed our way? Yeah, I think that that's kind of where it is. Hot. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he, he realizes what he's getting into. He's looked at his team. He understands what he has. And he was at Alabama. So he knows exactly what they're going to be rolling in with. He put it on the film. And the problem is if he builds this up so big to his guys and they get smoked, I mean, it can be debilitating and it can be something that'll carry over with you into some of your conference games into other non-conference games. And all of a sudden you may have a team that's capable of winning eight or nine games and you win six or seven because you can't get out of that rut and you can't get out of that funk because you put so much emotional energy into it. And in reality, thinking you could win, but reality knowing you probably couldn't. And then you go out there and just get blasted at home. So I think he's tempering the expectations, trying to manage them a little bit. And maybe they have a, something for him. If they can keep this game into the third quarter, I would say it's a win for Sark at this point. But, you know, if it's 28 nothing heading into halftime or 28-7, I mean, that, that's a little bit, a little bit different story. So you got three games this weekend featuring teams in the top 25 going head-to-head. One of them, as of yesterday – is Tennessee at number 24 in the AP poll going to Pittsburgh this weekend. Bobby Pat Narduzzi said, oh, yeah, you know, the big league's coming in here, and we're the peewee league, so I guess we'll see if we can play with them or, or not on uh, this weekend. He is a motivational guy. Had them ready a year ago. They got a big win in Knoxville. Tennessee's talking a lot about payback, feeling like they let one slip away a year ago. What, what do you think of the matchup between these two teams? 
I, I love it. I mean, I'm glad Tennessee got ranked in this, and you know, rightfully so. They've looked good. Heupel's got them playing really well. I mean, they're going to be able to score some points. Um, you know, Pat Narduzzi's got a pretty decent squad though, too, especially after coming back in the way that they won in the backyard brawl. So the one thing is about you know what's or Pitt's Pitt, they've been tested. I mean, they played a tough game where they had to come back against a rival who you hadn't played in a long time, a lot of emotions surrounding it. So he probably feels pretty good. So for him to downplay it is smart, you know. I mean, yeah, we're the ACC, nobody wants us, nobody cares about us. You know, a little bit of the Lou Holtz. You know, woe is us. We're just hoping, you know, to keep this thing competitive. We're the JV squad. I, mean, I absolutely love that by Pat Narduzzi. But don't think on the other end, you know, and, and we heard Mark Stoops firing back at Cal. Like, guys from Youngstown, Ohio are incredibly proud human beings. And don't think that privately in the locker room, he's not saying that we're just every bit as good as they are. And they're coming in here and we're going to kick the crap out of them. And that's on us. We're going to take care of that. You know, it wasn't a fluke before. We can beat them again. So it's the dual message that coaches send out where publicly they like to sit there and just, you know, laud their opponent and tell them how great they are. And rightfully so. They're in this great conference with all the money they're making, the TV deals. You know, we're just trying to survive up here at Pittsburgh and share in a stadium and everything else. But be, deep down inside, I think he really wants this one. And if they win this game, you would have to argue that they've got two of the best, the two best non-conference wins after two weeks by far. What do you expect to unfold in that game? I think it's going to be a close game. You know, Pat Narduzzi, they, they don't usually get blown out, you know, and especially recently. They're going to play good defense. It'll probably be a little more higher scoring than he likes. But I anticipated looking a little bit like that Pitt-West Virginia game. Um, you know, some high scoring, some back and forth, probably a game that's going to exist in the 30s. I, I like Tennessee a little bit more in this game. I like what Hypo's done, but I was really impressed with, uh, you know, what they've done up at Pitt and, you know, being able to bounce back, you know, after losing Pickett, Slovis stepping in there, playing really well. Like they've got, you know, a pretty good situation to where you think that they're going to be able to have some success. So I, I like what they're doing at Pitt, but I would give Tennessee the slight edge. I haven't looked at the line, but I'm guessing it's probably Tennessee by somewhere between three to seven points. Yeah, it opened at three and a half, and I think it's now seven. So the line has moved in Tennessee's favor, but Tennessee, I think, right around a touchdown now favorite. Bobby Howell. Well, go ahead, sorry. That's perfect. It's playing right into Pat Narduzzi's narrative. So he, he's going to love that all the way. Yeah. How surprising was it, it was for me, to see Cincinnati – uh, play Arkansas the way they did, given the fact that Ritter's in the NFL, uh, their running backs in the NFL, Sauce Gardner is in the NFL. I mean, they lost a lot of not just talent, but elite talent uh, that the NFL viewed as uh, elite based on where they were selected. Um, and to reload and go on the road in Fayetteville and, and fight the way they did in that game, how surprised were you to see it? I was hoping that would be the case. And you know, yep. he was around a six and a half, seven point line, and it, it held true. Cincinnati had a chance to win. Arkansas ultimately won it. Like both teams, it was a little bit sloppy at times, had some turnovers, had some penalties. Uh, but that was what I was hoping that Cincinnati wouldn't get there and get, you know, run. I was I would like to have seen him win. Luke Fickle is a former coach of mine, and I wanted to see him have some success. But I think that that speaks to the testament because we look at these power five program or group of five programs, and it's one thing to kind of make a run where you have your quarterback, you, know, you get a transfer uh, transfer running back in, Jerome Ford. You've got a couple of corners that were under-recruited that you develop, and everything kind of hits for you at the right time, and you're able to make that push. It's another thing in the subsequent year to just kind of reload the same way that a lot of the 
power five schools do. I think that's what Cincinnati's proven. They had nine players drafted, gentlemen. That was second most to anyone outside of Georgia. You're talking about a guy that went in the fourth round, quarterback that's going in the middle rounds. I mean, they had guys that were drafted high, like you said, Hutton. I think that that speaks to what Luke Fickle has done. I, I doubt they'll lose another game the rest of this year. And while they're probably not college football playoff worthy this year, I think Arkansas is probably going to be hovering somewhere, you know, in, uh, you know, probably somewhere between 10 and 15 most of the season. And I would argue that Cincinnati probably should be right there behind them based upon what we saw them going in there in a road environment, you know, new quarterback and I'll be, you know, he transferred back in from Eastern Michigan, but a guy who hadn't played for them and at all. And so there, there was a lot of things working against them. You know, Luke Fickle took his crew in there. I would say that, you know, the big 12, I mean, I know they're losing two really good programs in Texas and Oklahoma, but Cincinnati, I think is going, has been looked at probably as maybe the most underrated program in the country based upon what they've done the last two years. And if they're able to kind of solidify that this season by winning 10 or 11 games again, you know, maybe play at a nice bowl game and get a good, finally get a big victory there. Like, You'd have to say like Luke Fickle has this thing churning to where they're in a good spot and they're not going to be a once every three or four year team. They might be a team that can compete on a year in and year out basis with with really quality programs. How was your 20 year national championship reunion and was a three day weekend enough for recovery or you petition, yeah, love petitioning the shirt. Love that petitioning shirt. the federal government for a four day weekend? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was rough. I'm gonna be honest with you. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday was tough. Man, you've had a tough month. <laughs> Sunday was tough. <laughs> Here it is. I mean, after you guys, I talked to you on Friday. I mean, I went down. We met Friday night. I had a goal of being in bed by 11:30. Yeah. That did not happen. What I was, was in bed what was by like 1:30. 1:30. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I was one one thirty, one fifteen. You know, overserved myself. Had to wake up, do XM from seven to nine. Coach my son's practice from nine to 10 30. I mean, I was all but spent at that Ambitious. point. And then it's time to shower up, get down there for brunch at 11, 11 30, 11 45. I mean, you know, guys, the game's at 7 45. So, I mean, I did my best hanging out, not having a drink till probably about two 30. But at that point, <laughs> everyone's down there, the tailgates are going and it was awesome. And you know, the way they did it, I mean, I, I had I've been to a lot of, a lot of college football games. I've been to a ton of Ohio state games, played a fair share of NFL games. <laughs> Never in a Super Bowl, and I've never been to one. But like walking into that environment with, I didn't even know there was the flyover and the paratrooper. Like I said, LeBron James, these NBA stars. It, I mean, it was there was people packed all over the sideline. It was as good of environment, you know, as I had seen and I'd been a part of. And they did a great job with the way they recognized everybody. And it's just really good. I haven't seen some of those guys since our you know last reunion ten years ago, and it just felt really good to kind of be around them and. It's it's the only chance you really get to feel really young, and it, it did that for me. That's an awesome description. You were probably on air, Bobby, but I was watching College Game Day, and Trestle and Maurice Claret and a few other guys were on College Game Day in a segment uh, there live at the at the TV setup being interviewed, and I'm thinking, Bobby should be out there with, with these guys, but then I thought, oh, you're probably on air on Sirius at that point. You know, I, I saw that they were auctioning off, you know, this piece of art that they're going to start, you know, raising money for an endowment and a bunch of different things for our class. But yeah, Tress is uh, unbelievable as always with his ability to speak and orate. So he's, he was tremendous, but yeah, it was pretty good. They had Maurice down there and it was good to have him back, especially after everything that he had kind of gone through, came back 10 years ago. He lives in Columbus, but doesn't really come around the program much. And uh, to have him down there around everything and to see the reception he got, it was it was pretty cool too. Does everyone there think Bronny James is is 
going to play there? You know, Chris Holman lives down the street from me. And I was kind of talking to him about this and, you know, before the game and, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of tell where anyone's going. He's, you know, and they're, they're not allowed to comment on guys who aren't signed, you know, just the same right. way in football. Uh, but I think they feel pretty good, you know, about chances. If he wants to stay on the West coast, it's a geography play. Like, okay, well you can't compete with that, but going anywhere else, I think there is a feeling that, you know, you might be able to get him. And there's a guy in the class of 2023 who just commit decommitted. So I don't know if that's going to play into it at all or, or how that's ultimately going to work. But, um, it seems like that may, I don't know if, if that, that might be a precursor or something happening. I have no idea. He on was that. there. Though, right? The timing is interesting yeah, is what you're saying. saying. It is. Yeah. He was there. They were both there. They had the Instagram pictures. Oh, they yeah. did the whole deal. When you get recruited, you come put in, the put the jerseys on. on. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he's coming or not, but I feel as good as anybody about the chances of him. If he leaves the West coast and potentially come here, which would be a pretty cool thing uh, for him to come back to Ohio. When, when you've got 40,000 people in the students saying, chanting saying come here come home brawny i mean that's that's a pretty tough thing i think to kind of overcome and to look past and not that that's the be all end all but um i can't even imagine the circus that would be in columbus if he decided to come here the uh final 30 seconds the game that you're not going to miss or the the advice you would give everyone watching and listening not to miss this weekend would be which game oh goodness that's a good one i mean is Florida, Kentucky, is that, am I yeah. allowed to say yeah, that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, because that, I, I'm going to be honest, you know, I know there's a lot of good with Texas. I, I just, I'm not big into the Texas-Bama game. I, I don't think it's going to be that close. You have a program in Kentucky that is there and a program in Florida who's be, always been there, but it's kind of not been the last handful of years. And I think this is kind of a, a bigger game than people thought. After the way Florida played against Utah, to me, this is going to be very interesting and I know Mark Stoops is going to have them ready to play. I'm excited to see what this thing looks like down in the swamp. Always appreciate you, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, and we will recap this coming weekend with you next Wednesday. Sounds good, gentlemen. Thank Thanks. you. All right. There's Bobby Carpenter at BCARP3 is where you can uh, find him on social media. You'll find us complaining when we come back because every Wednesday it's a primary complaint. That's what we do. What we do. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sixth and Peabody, our location in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Every week at this time, it's time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Primary Complaint on Outkick 360. Guys, my primary complaint this week, the media members that cover college football that openly 
complain about the matchups for Power 5 going on the road to non-Power 5. I Two direct results of some of the best games of the weekend. NC State on the road. UNC on the road. Because mandated or not, it made for great matchups in week one of college football, fun games against quality opponents, and great college football moments were built off of that. Uh, for all the tweets are like, oh, if I'm the commissioner of the ACC, I'm not allowing this. I'm like, we need more of this, not less, because we need more games that are quality in the second half of the opening weekend of college football. That's my primary complaint. Love it, and I wrote a piece about that. You yes. can read it at kick.com. Five other games like that, Power 5 at Group of 5 conference uh, schools in state that I'd like to see on a regular basis, home and home, alternating every year. My primary complaint this week we need to get to an acceptable level of trash talk in Major League Baseball that doesn't result in people coming out of the dugout and staring at each other. Uh, there was a, a, an incident, I'll call it. wasn't really a brawl, but Orioles-Blue Jays yesterday where the pitcher made some sort of gesture, said something to the dugout, and this prompts the entire dugout to then come onto the field and start staring and, mm -hmm. and talking trash and, and holding things up. We need to get to a point where you could have some give and take from the dugout. If you're on the field, you want to yell at someone in the dugout, have at it. If they want to yell back, have at it. You know you don't want to fight. You're not going to fight. So stop with the charade. Let's just have some trash talk without having to come out of the dugout and make a big show of it. That is my primary complaint. My primary complaint is the weather in Kingman, Arizona. Uh, another place that is suffering from something uh, new to me, and I'm constantly educated about weather events that I didn't know existed. That's on me for not being uh, educated, but I also feel like there are constantly new weather events being created Same. right before our eyes. Uh, as you can see here, I took this screenshot from uh, weather.com earlier this morning. It's a dust storm powered by a thunderstorm. And it's called a haboob, which sounds, as you can tell, like a made-up word yeah. that they made up yesterday just for this storm to give me a, an alert um, that caused me to click on their website. A haboob. I mean, what is that? I, I, it's a dust storm powered by a thunderstorm. Yeah. But it sounds like a dust storm to me, not a haboob. Are we buying this? It's, uh, did I, I get, I've did heard I get a, tricked? a sandstorm, like I would call it that, or a dust storm. I, I didn't know that it was haboob. Haboob is making me feel like I'm a boob for <laughs> clicking on this thing and bringing it here. But that's my primary complaint is that there's such a thing called a haboob and that it's anything different than a dust storm. It's, it's always fascinating to me when there's a name for something, but no one uses the name. Like how we just eliminated the title of something and call it something else. I think we should all incorporate, incorporate this into our general speech. Hey, guys, did you hear about the haboob in, uh, in Kingman, Arizona? <laughs> I'd love for meteorologists just to be talking about it. We got a strong chance of a haboob happening in this county overnight. Why can't they just call it a dust storm? Because it's a haboob. It's more specific and precise as to what it means in, ter in terms of how the, the dust time right is here, reacting right to a thunderstorm. I don't know how people don't want more games like you're bringing up, Hut. Um, it's just like they're programmed by – what the program to want blowouts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you see it, you're like, man, this is a tough environment for any power five to go on the road. And I, 
I was mentioning Vanderbilt's schedule. Vanderbilt's going on the road to Northern Illinois. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a good game, but I would love to see Illinois visit Northern Illinois, for instance. Something like that. If that that's fine. The uh, if you're an up and start, if you're at the bottom of the barrel, Power Five, and you're trying to claw claw your way out, I understand the argument against doing the road trips like this. But for North Carolina or NC State or uh, any any of these schools to go on the road, uh, it created a great environment where both teams delivered, and I was locked into it was great. both. Uh, otherwise, I'm not watching those games. It's much more better than on likely. the road than at home. Yeah, and, I, and I, I wrote about it. An example in this state would be Tennessee and Memphis every year, home and home. Yeah, would make for some exciting moments and. That is a power five going on the road to a group of five school every other year. I wish we had the more ones games like Memphis this. Memphis would undoubtedly be more yeah. interesting. Colorado, Colorado State's a good example that happens annually You know of that in-state rivalry. Keep it going. Teams are back on the practice field. Quarterbacks are talking. We've got NFL headlines next on OutKick 360.